Father, I listen to the sound of your children in the back and I just think about how easy it is as your kids to be as distracted as adults as we sometimes are as kids. But I know you have a great message for us today and that you want us to hear how much you love us. So Father, I pray that you would remove all the distractions and that we would be able to take a deep breath and to hear your voice. Father, we've been working hard on this message, but we give you full reign over it. Uh, Remove us from this teaching, God. Let only your truth pass through our lips. If there's anything, God, that comes from us, we pray that it's quickly forgotten. Yes. But if it's yours, God, if it rings with your truth and drips with your grace, then I pray that it takes root in the heart of every one of us so that each one of us today leaves changed because of what you had to say to us today. We pray this, God, knowing full well that it is within your will and it is your good pleasure. And so we expect you to answer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At the JAR, we believe in three core values, joy, authenticity, and relationship. And in relationship, we have to remember to love God and love others as we love ourselves. And so in order for us to understand that, we need to understand God. The best way for us to do that is to recognize him as one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one God, and he is the creator of the universe. He is the master of all. He is the father of us all. Somehow he is also Jesus the Son. Somehow he is also the Holy Spirit. And we have been trying to explain that for centuries, but we can't because he's, a fi- he's an infinite God and we're finite creatures and our brains can't wrap around it. And that's okay. We don't have to understand. What we have to know is he loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us and his son rose again to prove his divinity. And if he says it, we believe it because if he can do that, he can do anything. Amen. So we want to talk about God the Father today. And a lot of times when we hear about God the Father, we think of the Old Testament. And we think that um, we think of him as a judgmental God. We think of him as a God who is cursing. We think of him as a God who hates sin. We think of him as a God who is uh, standing over us and ready to point his finger at us and say, See, see, you did it again. Here's how I'm going to punish you now. But if you actually read with an honest heart, the Old Testament, what you will find is a God who gives second and third and fifth and hundredth and thousandth chances to the people that he called to be his own. And he lamented. He had prophets marry prostitutes and adulteresses to show that that's how he felt about the relationship. I'm going to stay true no matter what. Why can't you stay true to me? But not so that he can punish us, so that he can prove his love to us. And what that looks like, I don't know. But here's what I'm learning is that when we think of God the Father too often, what we think of is that he is just waiting to send someone to hell. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I believe that if you believe God and follow him, there is blessing. And if you choose not to, you're going to stumble into curses. But I don't think it's God's heart to wait for us to make mistakes so that he can curse us. I think it's God's heart to bless us and it breaks his heart if he has to let us face consequences. So I don't believe God sends anyone to hell. 
I believe God gives everyone an opportunity to have a relationship with him and they choose hell over him because they would rather have their own kingdom than be a part of his. Yes. And because that's true, I believe, and I see it in the New Testament, as Paul and Peter and James and John and all the writers of the New Testament just start showing us about the love of God, what we find is 95% of it is the benefit of following him. And only about 5% of it is what happens if we don't. Because if we understand the benefit of following God, why would we not follow him? So we're just realizing that when we talk about the Father too often, we focus on the fear of hell more than we do the love of God. And I think that that is backwards. I think it is absolutely important for us to understand that we need salvation and we need to know what we're saved from. And there are some people, that's the only way that we can reach them and help them to understand how great God is. But if we just leave them there, all we gave them was fire insurance. What we want is for them to see that this is a God who loves them so much, he doesn't just want to save them. He wants them to save them to a relationship with him. That's what he's saving us to. And we spend so much time talking about what he saves us from that sometimes people leave our presence not knowing what he's saving us to. So we always do a consider question in, the, uh, in our uh, gatherings. And so this is an opportunity for the next 10 or 15 seconds to really think about this question for yourself. You don't have to share it with anybody else. We just want you to be thinking about it. And here it is. What motivates you better, fear or love? Okay, you want to read them the passage? So today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you um, have a Bible, that's awesome. Open that up to, to 2 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles underneath your table. Feel free to grab one of those. Um, if you don't own a Bible and you would like to have one, that is yours to have for free. Yes. Please take them. If you know someone who you want to share a Bible with, take one as well. We would love for you to have that. That's our gift to you today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's up on the screen. Verses 21 and 22. 22. Right. Now, as we walk into this, before Pastor Kerry reads it, um, I just want you to understand that in 2 Corinthians, Paul starts out with a greeting, and he starts talking about the comfort of God, and he's, he's, there's a reason that he does that. But right here, in the, from about the middle of chapter 1 to where we get to here, what he's talking about is, I was going to come, he says, I was going to come see you, Corinthians. But it's a good thing I didn't. I, I, it was my plan, and I, I didn't say I was going to do that and then, and then um, not keep my word. I had a plan to do that, but there was a reason I didn't come. I didn't want to embarrass you when I did. I want to give you some time to get some things worked out. Okay, So I want you to know that I, you can trust me and you can trust my word. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it unless there's a very good reason why I cannot. Uh, and in the middle of that, he then says, you can trust me because I'm trusting God. And God is so trustworthy Here's what he does for us. And because he does these things for us, we know we can trust him. And because we can trust him and I'm following him, you can trust me. Okay? But this throwaway sentence or two here in verses 21 and 22 tell us a lot about what Paul sees as the relationship that he has with the Father and the relationship God the Father has with us. Okay. So starting in verse 21, it says... 
It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, or another word for that would be anointed. Right. Right? He has anointed us or commissioned us. And he has identified us as his own. And when that identifying us can also mean seal. He has put his seal on us, his mark on us. We are his. Um, By placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. And what do we say here at the jar? All means? So everything means? Everything. everything. So he guarantees everything he has promised us. And this will come out more in Pastor Derek's uh, sermon next week, but verse 20 kind of starts that off by saying, look, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. All of God's promises are yes in Christ. And so the first thing that we look at and we see here that is important to us, that shows God's love for us, is that he, the Father establishes us in Jesus. And what I mean by establishes us is he sets the foundation. He, sets, he helps us to understand this is where the relationship starts. This is, where, this is the important thing that you need to understand about a relationship with me is that you need Jesus. And the reason that you need Jesus is because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, what does sin mean? To miss the mark. What is sin? To miss the mark. Miss the mark. And so, it, it, we need to understand when the Father gave us all of the law to help us to understand how to treat each other, it was so that we could have a relationship with Him and a relationship with each other and understand our own identity. So when we sin, you guys that have been with us for a while have heard me say this before. When, when we sin... We break our relationship with God. When we miss the mark, we break our relationship with God. And we tend to break our relationship with someone else. And we hurt ourselves. Right. So if I lie instead of telling the truth, that puts me at odds with God because God is truth. But I lie. I also cause someone else to operate under a false premise. They, they are acting on information that isn't true. And so they're, that's going to embarrass them or hurt them in some way down the road. But I also hurt myself because when I lie, I, I give away my integrity. And listen, the one thing that you can give away quicker than anything else, but the one thing you can protect the most is your integrity. If you will just tell the truth. You want to have an adventure in your life? Just tell the truth all the time. And you will find that God, is, God will send you on a great adventure. But you will also find that your integrity will matter uh, greatly. So he established us as in Christ because we all miss the mark. And, and because we all miss the mark, we all need Jesus. And because we all need Jesus and he provided Jesus for us, that's how much he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, would have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. And so he gives us that opportunity. He establishes for the very first uh, in Jesus. Right. So if you all will turn to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to take a look at that under establishes us in Christ. Now, if you're in 2 Corinthians, if you turn right, you're going to get to Galatians and Ephesians. It's pretty close to you, so you don't have to go very far. We will wait. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. If you're not there, say not yet. 
love it love it Ephesians chapter 1 so it says in him you also when you heard the word of truth the good news of your salvation and as a result believed in him right and him is Jesus were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit the one promised by Christ and this is the part I want you guys to see as owned and protected by God Right, so we talked about how this week we're talking about who God is and his safety, how we're safe in him. Yes. Right? So he has placed that seal on us, right? He has established us and he is protecting us. The Spirit is the guarantee or the down payment, the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance. Until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. Yes. So uh, one of the commentaries I was looking at called it earnest money. Have you ever put down earnest money on a house? When you put down earnest, when you're going to buy a house, one of the the things you do with the realtor is you put earnest money down. And when you put that earnest money down, what that locks in is the buyer has to deal with you first. It is an absolute. You're done. You're you're set. It isn't a. It's a. It's a thing they can't break. They can't go and get earnest money from four or five different places, and then make a decision. They have to deal with you until that contract is broken or, or they give the money back. Okay. So what God is saying is, I'm going to put that guarantee down for you, and you can count on it. It's an unbreakable vow. It's important. Okay. All right, so the first thing he does is he establishes us in Christ Jesus. But if you notice in that passage, verse 21, go back to 2 Corinthians now. You'll want to keep your thumb on 2 Corinthians so that if we leave it, we'll come back to it every time. 2 Corinthians, it says, it is God who enables us along with you. So the way that's constructed is it means that he, he, he is establishing us with Jesus, but he is also establishing us with each other. That each of us is established in God. And because we are each established in God, we become community ourselves. And so the Father establishes us with each other. One of the ways he loves us is by bringing us into community with other believers. That's why he says to forsake not the gathering of the brethren uh, in, uh, in Hebrews. That's why in Galatians, it tells us to, to make sure we're, we're don't weary and doing good, especially to the household of God. Uh, because we are established together so that we can remind each other constantly of the love that God the Father has for us. Right. Ephesians 3.12, you don't have to go there, but I'll just read it to you in the easy uh, translation. It says, because we are united with Christ, we can come near to God. We are not afraid to do that. Right? We can be sure that God will accept us because we trust in Christ. How awesome is that? Right? He's saying we can come to him. We can be not afraid. The God of the universe who made all of this. And we can come to him and not be afraid. Because he has accepted us. He's put If we accept Christ and we accept God. right? Then he has put that seal on us. And we are his. And we don't have to be afraid. Now here's just the truth. He knows that when left to ourselves. there It's too often that we will think. After what I just did, God can't love me anymore. 
And we need community. We need people around us who can remind us that God's love is not dependent upon our actions. God's love is dependent upon what Jesus did. So it's not what we do or what we did. It's what he did for us that puts us in relationship with him. And he loves us with a godly love. The Bible calls that agape. It's a Greek word that means unconditional love that you can't do anything to turn off. So there's another place in the scripture where Paul says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. There is nothing in the world that can separate us from it. But we think there is. We think that if we do enough wrong things, that he will just stop. And what community does, community gives each of us an opportunity to, to send that text, to make that phone call, to, to go by and visit, to see you when you come in and say, I don't care what you've heard or even told yourself, God loves you. Right. Let's talk about that word. Just, I want to go back to love real quick. Yes. Because we talked about that when we were studying and I think too often we use that phrase, God loves you, mm-hmm. you know, and it's true. It's, it's completely true. But I think because our, the our word love in the English language is so almost watered down. So mm-hmm. I mean, it means so many things, right? Where when you look in the Greek or the Hebrew of the word love, there's all different kinds of meanings for that word love. And so like Michael said, I just want to reiterate the love we're talking about in the video and the love we're talking about today is agape love, A-G-A-P-E. It means divine love, a love that you and I, only God can give that. It, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Only God can give that love. It's a love that never fails. Mm-hmm. It's a love that's always there. It's not the same as the love that we talk about amongst each other as brotherly love. <laughs> Right, Because, yes, we are striving to love each other as brothers and sisters. But let's be honest, like we've been honest when we were talking about authenticity. We are real people, and people are messy, and people make mistakes. Yes. Right? And so the love that we have for each other can sometimes stumble and fall. We mess up. Mm-hmm. Right? I love my children. I would give my life for my four children. At the same time, though, there are times when I... Screw up. I mess up. I don't love them the way they need me to love them. Ooh, that's good. And sometimes I don't even realize that I'm missing the mark with them, right? right? So that's the difference between human and earthly love versus God's agape love for us. Yes. It never fails. It's always there. All we have to do is turn. He's right there. We turn and he's there. Yes. And he will always love us, even when we're the ones that are making the mistake. Okay? And so what he's saying here, you know, when we think, when we're doing this series and we're talking about God, Holy Spirit, and Son, God is the umbrella, right? He's the overarching. He's the Father. Right? That's why we're starting with him. Because everything comes down from that. Okay? So that's why we're talking about that. And, and I love what Romans 5.5 5 says. God's love has been poured into our hearts, y'all, into our hearts. So when we ask him to come into our heart, he is pouring into us, right? Just like the jars on your table. He's pouring from that jar. And that jar, God's jar, is 
way bigger than what we can even fathom, right? It's beyond anything that we can, can be contained in a jar, right? So that's what we're talking about when God is over all power. He's over all living things. Um, and, and he's active and he's present. And he wants to pour into you. Now, for you theologians, he, the Father is equal with the Son, is right. equal with the Holy Spirit. We're not saying right. that isn't the case. What we're talking about is our ability to understand what's happening there. Right. If we think of God as the umbrella, then what we recognize is when we say that the Father loved us so much that he sent his Son, then we understand that. And when the Son says, I need to go away for you because if I do, then the Spirit is going to come. Then God's, the Father sends the Spirit. Really, it's and in more some a circle way, than an umbrella. Yes, that, well said. That's where I was headed. <laughs> it's a circle. Is it, it, but the Spirit, yes. what the Spirit then does yes. is bring glory to the Father so that you come back to the Father. Right. And so think of it as a circle, not, as a, not as a tiered hierarchy. Okay? Mm-hmm. So God est- establishes us in Jesus. He loves us that much. Then he establishes us with each other. He loves us that much. And then... Uh, Paul says, um, he says, he has commissioned us. And the, like she said, another word for that is anointed. He anoints us to serve each other. He gives us a calling. He tells us how, well, he gives us gifting so that we can all be a part of that. First uh, Corinthians 12 is often used to fight about uh, speaking in tongues. But the whole idea of First Corinthians 12 is that we should have orderly worship because everyone needs to be able to use their gifts. Right. And that the entire community is the member of a body, not just, I don't mean the community like everyone that's here or anyone who would ever hear our voices. I'm talking about every single person who believes in Christ is a member of the body. And we each and every one of us have an anointing, a a calling on us to serve in some capacity. In other words, I don't know how often you've noticed this. But we keep talking about being filled. In, in most of the passages, there's something about being filled. God is filling us so that he can empty us for the people around us. And it starts in the household of God. It starts here because here's where we can expect more forgiveness. Here's where we can expect more grace. Here's where we can expect people to help us along the way. When we go out into the world and act like this, they're going to think we're crazy. They're not going to understand. How can we love them anyway? How can you keep forgiving him when he keeps doing that to you? How can you keep from getting angry when this happens? Why are you praying for that person? Don't you know they're the meanest person in the whole office? They've messed up 20,000 They've messed up all these times. They just look out for number one. You've got to take care of you. Well, yeah, you, you, why don't you fudge on those numbers? You fudge, everybody does it, and that's why you keep ended up low on your sales. If you just, did, if you just fudged your numbers, you'd be high in sales like everybody else. Now, you understand, I work as for the Lord. I, I, I understand that he loves me. Out there, it don't make any sense. In here, it should make sense. And listen, if it don't, then we need to fix this right. before we start going out there. Right. Can I add something to that? What's that? It's like you said, when you're going to work, you're working for God. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it, as if it's every, every day that I go to work, it's like, okay, God, what is your plan for me today? Yes. At work. But I've got to glorify you in everything I do. That's right. And the way you do that is by recognizing he established you in Christ. He established you with the church. And when you walk out these doors, he is 
promising you something. You are able to serve everyone around you here and out there because of what he's done for you and because of the, you got something to add there before I go on? Okay. Because the Father seals us with the Holy Spirit. Now that concept of sealing is not something we do very much anymore. Um, but it, you see a lot of times in movies from the old, uh, from mid, Middle Ages and things like that, a king would set his seal on something because he would say, this is really my word. This is really, I'm the one who owns this. I'm the one who is responsible for this. So I'm going to set my seal to it so that everyone can see this is mine. When he sets his seal on us by giving us the Holy Spirit, he's saying, all right, because you believed in my son, because you let me establish you in Christ, because you have joined my community, you are part of my kingdom now, you are mine. And because you are mine, no one can snatch you out of my hand. If we talked earlier in John, we are double clutched. Jesus has us in his hands and Jesus is in the hands of God. And so we are double clutched for God. We cannot be taken out. Yeah. No matter what we do, you are his when you say, you are mine. And he says, I am yours. Mm. Okay. What Satan likes to do, what the enemy likes to do is when we mess up, he likes to give us shame. And he shames us and he tells us, you're not worthy to be God's child anymore. You're not worthy to be his son. You're not worthy to be his daughter. And I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. That's right. Because nothing can clutch you from his hand. It's agape love, y'all. Not earthly love. Right. There's a difference. Okay. So one of the things that we talked about when we were talking about that agape love Right, that you cannot, it's an unbreakable vow, right, that God makes to you, that you are his child. I have a confession. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, y'all. Jesus still loves her. (laughs) Big Harry Potter fan, okay? So when we were talking about unbreakable vow, I said, oh, we got to show a picture. I I didn't get it. (laughs) You didn't get it? I didn't get it. Oh, you didn't get it. I'm sorry. It's my fault. Damn. Okay, so in the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, I had a picture. They... When they do an unbreakable vow, they clutch hands, and then they, they have, there's a, a light that forms around each other's wrists, okay? The reason they call it an unbreakable vow is because if you break, try to break that vow, it will kill you. You will not survive. And I find it interesting mm-hmm. how... Here's someone who's coming from an earthly perspective talking about an unbreakable vow. But in my mind, it just makes so much sense. Like when God connects with us and we accept him and, and, and he makes that vow to us and he pours his spirit into our heart. It's a vow that can never be broken. It's unbreakable. You, unbreakable. You can see that in the Old Testament when he is constantly giving more opportunity for the people of Israel to come back to him. And he's always, even when he's saying... Oh, you didn't come back to me again. Now I've got to do this to you. Now I've got all I've got all these things that are going to happen to you. But at the end, he says, but one day there's going to be a day you're going to come back to me. And when you do, here's all the blessings that are going to happen because of that. And you're going to you're going to eventually I'm going to do something that is going to change all of that so that there is only one way that you have to worry about knowing me. And that is through my son, Jesus Christ. Right. And he, he didn't say my son, Jesus Christ at that time, did he? He just said the one who's coming, the anointed one. Right. 
But we learn through the New Testament that the anointed one is Jesus, and he is the one that makes that all possible. So listen, I I know, I know, that might be a a stretch for some of you. That's okay. It's okay to get stretched a little bit. Well, this is what we're trying to help you to understand. God's love is immeasurable, and it's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And so you can be safe in God's love. You can be safe in God's love. You don't have to worry about him deciding he doesn't love you anymore. He is always going to love you. It's going to break his heart if you walk away from him. He's going to let you because he loves you too much to make you be his. But he loves you so much that he will do anything he can mm-hmm. to keep a relationship with you even if it means dying for you. Mm-hmm. And that's greater than anything. That's greater than any kind of love we really understand. I, there, a lot has been made of the physical trial that Jesus went through and all the ways that he was hurt and mocked and beaten and the horribleness of his crucifixion and the spear in his side. I believe that was the least of his suffering. The greatest part of his suffering was taking on all of the sin of all of the people in all the world for all time. And that spiritual separation from God was the greatest <laughs> sacrifice that he made. And he did that for you. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Yeah. If he's willing to do that, how dare you think that he won't love you anymore just because of one thing you did? He is a bigger God than that. Mm-hmm. Right. So we really do feel like the Romans passage <laughs> kind of uh, uh, is another way of stating the same thing that uh, that Paul does in Second Corinthians. This hope that we have because of what Jesus has done for us will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he gave us the Holy Spirit and filled us with his love. Mm-hmm. And if that is true, then there's nothing we need worry about because he's got this, he's got it covered. Now, we're going to learn more about Jesus and more about the Holy Spirit so that it rounds this out. So the only way for you to really fully get it is to come back for the next two weeks. See what I did there? I see. Yeah. You got to come back the next two weeks so you can hear the rest of the story. Yeah. So if there's a part of it, you're like, he didn't talk about this. She didn't talk about that. We know it's coming. It's coming because and that full circle will be made. Because we, yeah, we'll, we'll be wrapping that circle up before we go on to how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. So, at the end of our, our uh, talk, we always have a, a reflection. Oh. Can I do the oh. illustration I have? Oh, that's play? right. I totally forgot. forgot. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> when we're talking about that love, I found this really cool illustration that I wanted to read to you guys. It it's was, a perfect example of what this teaches. Yes, it's by John uh, Ortberg. He shares the following story. He says, A few weeks ago when I was out surfing, there was no one else in the water except for a huge guy practicing martial arts on the beach. After I'd been out a little while, a tiny wisp of a kid came paddling up out of nowhere. I couldn't believe he was out there all by himself. He pulled his little board right up next to mine, and he was so small he hardly needed a board. He could have stood up in the ocean on a frisbee. He was so little. He told me his name was Shane. And he asked me how long I'd been surfing, and I asked him how long he'd been surfing. Seven years, he said. I said, how old are you? He said, eight. (laughs) Then Then he said, 
What I like about surfing is that it's so peaceful. You meet a lot of nice people here. And we talked for a little while longer, and then I asked him, How did you get here, Shane? Oh, my dad brought me, he said. And then he turned around and waved at the nearly empty beach, and the Goliath man doing the martial arts waved back. Hi, son, he called out. Then I knew why Shane was so at home in the ocean. It wasn't his size. It wasn't his skill. It was who was sitting on the beach. Yeah. His father was always watching, and his father was very big. Shane wasn't really alone at all, and neither are we. At the, at the core, at its core, the gospel is the invitation to an intimate relationship with God. It tells us that we are never alone. Amen? Yes. So for our not yet, those are people who, we, we hear at the jar, we say not yet. Those are folks who are maybe not sure if they believe in, in Christ, not sure if they believe in this God thing. Um, and that's okay. Here at the jar, we want you to ask questions and we want you to keep coming back. So for our not yet, the question for you today is, are you willing to see God for who he truly is? That agape love, right? Are you ready to have a relationship with him? That's right already a believer then you have to start thinking first of all just recognize that you may be a believer and this not yet may resonate with you still right that you may still be struggling with the idea that god is a god of love and not a god of judgment not that god doesn't judge he does but he judges from a position of love not from a position of hate but then if you're an already, someone who already believes, we also want you to, to just think about this. How are you explaining God's love to others? We want you to reflect on that. Is there some way that you've been explaining God's love to others that is different after listening to us today? Or are you pretty much spot on, but you, but you need to think about how often you're doing it? 